Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, we've got Todd Palmer. Todd, you are the founder of Extraordinary Advisors on the web at extraordinaryadvisors.com. You know, we started the call. We just started talking like, man, this is good stuff. We just got to record this. Uh, so maybe we'll kind of re- recap what we've already been talking about. Uh, but uh, Todd, kind of explain what it is that you do with Extraordinary Advisors. Yeah, so it's a great question. I appreciate it. It's what I do at Extraordinary Advisors is I, is I work with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and leaders, and I teach them inside-out leadership. So many people who are in the business coaching space, one who've never been a CEO. I'm a retired CEO with 25 years of experience, and I, I had I had to hire a coach 10 years in because I almost crashed my business into the rocks and sank the ship. So I teach them a lot of the things that I learned with my coaches. So I had a coach then, and I have a coach now two different people for two different reasons. And I do really inside out leadership from the perspective of getting the entrepreneur unstuck, the paralysis around decision-making paralysis around uh, dealing with brutal realities. Like we were talking about before we got on the recording. And so we go inside out and then we put uh, processes in place within the business. We take the complex issues they're facing, break them into simple pieces and then we help them grow and scale their businesses, just like I do with my business. But I couldn't, I couldn't fix my business in 2006 when I got it into serious trouble until I first fixed myself as the entrepreneur leader. So what was what was hey, what was going haywire at that time? Uh, so so a couple of things were going haywire. First, the the itty bitty negative committee in my head was meeting on a pretty much daily basis. <laughs> my imposter syndrome was out of control. Yeah. Um, and nine years in, I, you know, my my imposter syndrome was powerful. Then the, the business from a financial perspective was, was nearly bankrupt. We got $600,000 in debt, two months away from running out of all of our money. Hmm. I had personally guaranteed that money, so my house was in debt on the line. I'm a single parent. My kid is not real happy with me that you know, I'm not leading the family well. I'm not leading the business well. And I had a toxic and dysfunctional culture within the, the organization because I wasn't willing to have uncomfortable conversations. I wasn't willing to deal with underperforming employees. I wasn't willing to put the proper processes, the proper KPIs and the proper measurements in place because it was more important for me to be liked by the team than have the team be successful. So get to September of 06, I hit my entrepreneurial rock bottom. I like, I need help. I raised my hand for the first time because I'd been, you know, in my mind, an entrepreneur is a rugged individualist. We conquer mountains and we, 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 we do things other people can't do. That worked really well until it didn't. And so I hire a coach. He teaches me some quick financial literacy. I figure out where the gaps are in the process around money, mistakes I made around that, realize my team is the wrong people on the bus. I fired the entire company in one day, started over, started hiring new people with a process we called hire for DNA, not for resume. Found the inflection point within the marketplace. We were in the recruiting space. Found where there was an increased demand and a diminished supply. So within eight years, I paid off the six hundred thousand dollars in debt, and the the company hockey sticked. And we were fortunate enough to make the Inc. Five Thousand as one of the fastest growing companies in America 
an amazing six times. Okay. So for, for somebody who doesn't understand what a feat that is, that's six years of growth. So, right. So you, the way that it's measured, can you kind of explain yeah, what, so the way it's what measured, that means for people to understand? Yeah, No, I appreciate you wanting to learn more about it because people are like, well, so what's the big deal? Well, the, it's the, first of all, the big deal was our intention was to get out of debt. Our intention wasn't to make the list. Our focus was to, to correct and fill the, the, the holes in the, in the ship, so to speak, so the business could survive to fight another day. And then by focusing on that, then we, we had this inflection point of growth. The way the Inc. measured it when we were on the list, I'm not sure how they do it currently today, but it's a three-year run rate. So they take the three years and they measure that growth. So the six years we made it was really about an 11-year uh, successful run rate yeah. year over year. It's like compounding interest. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I've been to the Inc. 500 or Inc. 5000 conference a couple of times. I, I got in on the military scholarship. Oh, good for you. <laughs> uh, those yeah, are so which is a great, Yeah, which is a great program. So every year they, um, they, they handpick, uh, you know, about 20, 30 military veteran owned That's businesses awesome. have the potential of getting on the list. And so I kind of squeaked awesome. in, yeah, I kind of squeaked in there a couple of times. Um, so, uh, but what a what a great uh, in, environment. So, if you've got a you know company that's experiencing that kind of growth, but again, doing it year after year after year, I mean, it's it's one thing to achieve three years of growth, but then to keep improving on that pace faster than anybody else, you know, that that is applying to be on that list. Uh, that's that's quite a feat. So congratulations on that, Todd. Well, thanks. You know, the crazy thing when I think back about it now, I know we're recording this, what, in, in May of 2020, we were on the list all three years of the recession. Yeah. And we, we, we grew in an industrial staffing company in Detroit, Michigan, the hub of economic decay back in 2007, sure. 2008, 2009, you know, the first public city to ever file for bankruptcy, and we were growing. And it was one of those situations where our, head, our heads were down the team was just driving forward. We didn't even realize until looking back, you know, it's, it's like the hero's journey. We don't realize how much, how much ground we've covered until we look back and see how far we've come. Mm, yeah. Um, so Todd, you talked about uh, growing a business during the recession. So obviously right now in 2020, we're experiencing a new kind of recession. Sure. And so uh, if you are a savvy, smart CEO, and I realize that people are going to be coming at this from lots of different directions or lots of different scenarios, um, but what are some general principles that you would recommend having uh, navigated a ship through those waters previously? Oh, uh- it's so important to really break it down. You know, take that complicated thought process and make it very simplified. So what is your position on cash? What is your cash runway? How much money do you have? Are you getting governmental assistance or not? What does your line of credit look like or don't you have one? And what is your cash runway? That's the first thing I'm doing with all of my clients is a, a quick cash runway because a lot of them get wrapped up with only looking at cash and bank and where else can you get money from? Where else can you pull from? Because sometimes especially during these times, it's not about growth. Sometimes it is about survival. Second thing is, and this is one of the biggest challenges I've had with my clients during these times is getting them to communicate often, getting them to communicate clearly because I think a lot of entrepreneurs worry about what message am I sending out? And, and if I don't have all of the answers, should I communicate? And I, I, I push back heavily as their coach saying, no, now is the time you communicate. And I've got one client, for example, she's so awesome. She is so coachable. She, she was sending out a daily email. She took my, you know, took our counsel. She says, I'm not getting any engagement. 
and we're on a call and I said, why don't you just shoot a 90 second video and make it a three-step video? Like, here's what we're doing. Here's where we are. And I'm thinking of you because she's all heart. You meet this woman, she's all heart. <laughs> she did that. She created a list uh, uh, and did a broadcast. She, I think she had 18 of 20 employees get engaged within 30 seconds. Thank you so much. And thank you for and Then they started sending her videos back and they started creating a whole culture shift around staying in touch. And they started going to zoom meetings. So she was very reluctant to do that. And, and it's so, so she went from her cash position to her communication messaging. And part of her fear was, I don't have all the answers. And I said, then tell them that show up, be mm-hmm. a transparent, be authentic. Here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. But I said, and then embrace what I'm calling, telling all my clients is their, their own personal Stockdale paradox. Here's my brutal reality, and here's what I'm going to do to get through it. And if you don't know what you're going to do, say that. We will survive. I can't tell you how and what the new norm is going to look like for us. So we go very clearly, cash, we go to human and communication. And last, I say, let's, let's, let's pause. And let's think about where is the opportunity within the tragedy. I, I had a client I was working with out of India. And he was in the automotive manufacturing space. And that was just, I mean, that, that's just done. It's nothing's happening for him right now. Yeah. But we got talking about what he loved about being in that space. And he is a mechanical engineer by training. He pivoted. He reached into his network. He's part of a group called EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization. Yeah. Reached into his network, found somebody who was affiliated with the largest hospital in his town, got a meeting with that person. And now he's, put, he's created an app for the hospital for workers because they were very short-staffed. So people can learn to do their own ventilators. And then he's taken his design skills. He's created a new ventilator that can be made with very, uh, very cost-effective, more, more um, readily available items in his community. And now he's, get, he's, got, he's applied for a patent already. This is two months ago. And so he's pivoted. Instead of sitting around thinking he's on summer vacation, he's like, I, I'm working. I'm making an impact in my community. And he goes, he goes, when you asked me the question, where is the opportunity within the tragedy? It got me thinking differently. So a lot of what I think people like you and I are doing for people is getting them to think differently versus just a lot of, you know, woe is me behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, um, specifically, um, uh, so you did, you, you kind of took that, um, you know, where you're kind of doing a self-analysis of where you're at, doing an inventory, communicating, uh, and then looking for the opportunity. What what was it that you discovered personally in terms of the opportunity? <laughs> no one's asked me that yet. I love it. Um, so my business model was really based upon speaking from stage. So I was supposed to be in Orlando speaking at Disney. That <laughs> didn't happen. Um, and, and so what I recognized and realized is that I, I spent about two days at I'll be honest, that, that I had my own personal pity party because all six of my upcoming speeches were canceled. So all the cool countries I was going to go visit and yeah. cool cities I was going to visit was, were just taken away through no fault of my own. Um, but the model at the time was to get on stage, speak to the audience. Someone in the audience is going to connect with a message and I might get a coaching client from those conversations. Worst case scenario, I have a paid speaking appearance and I've got content that I can repurpose. So it was very positive and I really enjoyed the work. Well, I couldn't do that anymore. That opportunity didn't exist. So I thought, well, why am I doing this work? And I went back to work I did about a dozen years ago with a guy named Simon Sinek. And I I met him at a conference. We engaged. And it took me two years to figure out two words, which is my personal why, which is improve lives. I thought, well, how else can I improve lives? So I started doing – so I took the platform of what I was doing of improving lives from stage, and I took it online. And I started doing more podcasts, more appearances that way. And I I did a really – 
uh, I really thought there's got to be people who are scared. I, I would be scared if I was a CEO and I wouldn't want to tell anybody. So mm-hmm. I reached into the, the EO communities, the YPO communities, the Vistage communities, and I just started volunteering my butt off. I got on about 47 calls with different CEOs from around the globe and doing 30-minute free coaching sessions to help them get unstuck. Um, and from there, then it's, it's gotten me onto some webinars with people they know. People have seen it. So that's how I've pivoted my business because the delivery mechanism of speaking from stage doesn't exist. You know, I, t- tell, tell me more about that. What, what you did, you and I kind of had some similar experiences in that, you know, with Savings Angel, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. So number one is uh, our inability to control markets. Markets are what they are. And so sometimes I think, I know for me, uh, for a while, I had a bit of arrogance in that, oh, well, the market really doesn't know what it wants. I'm going to give it to them. And then they're, you know, even though they're not telling me they want this, I'm just going to give it to them anyway. Well, and, uh, I, and then they're going to be, they're going to yeah, be dazzled Henry, by that. <laughs> yeah, when you look back, well, you know, Henry Ford's famous quote is if, if I listen to the marketplace, I would just made a faster horse. So I, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, but another thing, another thing that you did is you're like, well, look, I guess I can't do this. So what do I do? Well, I can always, listen, you could always stay busy and you can always network with people that ultimately, I mean, uh, you know, they're decision makers. They, they are well qualified to, uh, to do business with. And so uh, maybe they're not ready to pay for your services right now because they just don't have that familiarity with you. Sure. But, you know, I, I think that there's so much power in service. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Oh, gosh, for sure. I, it's absolutely correct. You know, I, I, and this is the approach I took. You know, I actually wrote it down. I, I am not here to sell anything. I'm here to be, a, I call it servant leadership. For me, that's my definition of it. I'm going to serve the, the, the community. And, and I really anchored it in the, the, the luck I had. I mean, if I hadn't had a coach who was willing to work with me back in 2006, my business would have crashed. Now I have a coach. I, I use a neuroscientist as my coach. And he helps me think how my brain processes things and how now we cannot just make a great business, but how do we make a great life and create a life by design? And so I thought, these guys are, have been awesome to me. How can I pay, it, pay them back by paying it forward? So that's the approach I took. And I just started talking to everybody and, every, and, and anybody so that people wouldn't get stuck. You know, I, I talked to this person who could never afford me. She was a, literally a, a home-based business. And she sold romance products through one of these, these multi-level marketing platforms. And she really liked what she did. It was kind of a fun gig. And she's like, I got all this stuff and I can't do home parties. I am going to, my husband's going to kill me. Um, we can't afford having all this inventory. What am I going to do? And I said, well, what if, where's the opportunity? She's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I said, oh, COVID has done something that no one else has ever been able to do. They've now forced husbands to stay home with their wives because there's no sports and there are no bars. So they're now home. So what if you took your platform and your messaging and made, made it like Saturday night date night with Celeste? She's like, I could totally do it. And she got like her brain starts firing differently. And I got a text message from her. I think I talked to her like on a Tuesday. Saturday, I get a text from her. I did $2,000 of online sales at couples parties. So she shifted her model from just selling to the wives to selling to couples. And now she has Saturday parties and she's just rocking and rolling. And she sent me this really, I mean, this really grateful message. Like, thank you so much for being there for me. I've never met you. I don't, I wouldn't have thought of this. And those are the messages. That's, that's the, 
the recip being the recipient of that kind of gratitude it, it is amazing in these tough times. It, it and it inspires me to want to give more. Yeah, you know, you know, for something like that, you know, and, and it's really interesting, right? Because on the outside. It, it seems like it's very easy for us to see something like that. But when you're too close to it, and this is the value of having consultants and coaches, is they just have a perception that we're just, I mean, we're just not able to see. And so, you know, for, for me, I'm like, well, of course, that makes perfect sense. Like as a dude, I'm just not going to show up at a, a you know, at, at an adult uh, toy party. Forget, come on. We're, that's yeah, right, weird. right. <laughs> but you know, happy to, happy to participate virtually and, you know, watch on a screen where I could be off camera or whatever, not on oh, yeah. camera. Oh, not totally. a problem. Like, I, you know, uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it's, fa- it's fantastic. One those, it's, it's one of the situations where she's able to see that opportunity and, it, you know, she was in fight or flight. I mean, that's why I talk to my clients so much about their mindset. I always, like someone wanted to hire me one time. Hey, so well, why do you want to hire me? Well, I want to be on the Inc. 5,000 six times like you were. I'm like, I am not the guy for that. I, 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 that's not what I do. If you right. want a process guy, then you can hire an EOS implementer or a Gazelle Scaling Up implementer. And those guys do great work. I refer to them all the time. I use some of their tools in my, in my practice. So what I am is I'm the guy who gets you unstuck. I'm the guy who, if you're in fight or flight, I get you out of reactivity, pivot you into creativity with a methodology that, that my coaches have taught me that now I teach you. And it works time after time after time, like clockwork, if they're ready. Like when I, we were talking about the 06 story, like it really is like I hit my entrepreneurial bottom and I was only coachable when I was, you know, left for dead and the banks were going to swoop in and take everything. Okay. Now I'm coachable because, you know, so many entrepreneurs get wrapped up in pride and ego and arrogance and I did too. And until I humbled myself, until I was ready to be coached, you know, that, that's why, again, I, I love the military guys because most of the guys are super coachable because they've gone through a process and a system that's produced, you know, achievers. Yeah. So Tom, Tom Schwab uh, is a good buddy of mine, fellow military vet as well, fellow military vet, business owner. In fact, uh, he had some nice things to say uh, about you on, on, your, on your website. Um, you know, I, one thing I wanted to go back to that you had mentioned, and I kind of just let it go, and I didn't say anything about this. You casually mentioned, oh, yeah, I work with Simon Sinek. And blah, blah, you know? <laughs> okay, so you have the opportunity to personally be mentored by Simon Sinek. Like, if you were to distill that down into you know, 60, 120 seconds of like, what is that experience like? Uh, tell us, please, what is it like to work well, with Simon Sinek personally? You know, so I'm, I'm really a lucky guy. I am absolutely a lucky guy. And I'm part of a group called the Gathering of Titans. It meets every year at MIT. Um, so I was in Vern Harnish's last class of Birthing of Giants. So Vern is the founder of EO, the author of the Rockefeller Habits, and anybody who you know, understands entrepreneurship. Vern is one of the fathers, founding fathers of entrepreneurship as we understand it today. So for, I guess, first of all, it tells you I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm not 25. I'm a little bit older, but I've always been a seeker. I've always been uh, a lifelong learner. So I went from Vern and then I do the Titans. We bring in Simon Sinek. I connect with Simon and, and he just, he asks really smart questions. Mm. That's the greatest thing I've learned about having great coaches it's not the knowledge they have, it's the questions they ask and the experience share they give. Um, I, I don't believe that the best coaches are just the ones who just deliver a message, deliver a message, deliver a message. Because I've learned one size doesn't fit all. 
at least that's been my experience. So yeah. Vern asked great questions. Cynic asked great questions and they challenged me. And then I, I, I thought, okay, I got to get better. I need to double down. I'm hiring for DNA, not for resume. What, what spine do I need to put on that, on that business? I need to improve my culture. Make the ink list. Keynote speaker, Tony Shea of Zappos. Hmm. I, 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 I'm just like, I'm, I'm clueless or fearless. One of the two. Hey, can you have five minutes? Like, yeah, come on my bus with me. So I'm sitting on the bus shooting the breeze with Tony Shea for two hours. He's like, come, on out, to, come out to Nevada. I'll set it up and you can go take a tour and spend two days with my team. So I literally flew my entire company out there as a reward for them. And I'm sitting with these leaders. My friend, um, a friend of mine started a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Brian Scudamore. Amazing entrepreneur. I, I said, I'm working on my second book. Hey, would you mind being in my book? Like, literally, that was my entire sophisticated ask. He's like, oh my gosh, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I got, so what, what I, if anybody takes anything from this part of the conversation, Josh, is if you, if there's somebody you want to talk to, Go talk to him. I mean, it, we're all, we all put our pants in the same way. Tony has great stories of almost failing. Brian has great stories of almost failing. Simon, when we had Simon, he hadn't even got a book deal yet. He's like, he had a, his entire company was a marker and a whiteboard. But it was, it was the knowledge they could impart. Vern will tell you stories about it. He's almost crashed. We're all the same. It's, it's you know, now with Shark Tank and The Profit and these, these great shows that promote entrepreneurism, you know, Mark Cuban's like, seems like just one of the realest people you're going to hear. Like, yeah, I, I, I read, what does Mark Cuban talk about? I spend three to four hours every day reading and learning lifelong learners. You can't get stuck in your business. You got to go out and connect with other people. Mark Cuban's had coaches. Everybody's got coaches. They, they talk to these people like, well, I don't need a coach. <laughs> how, how can you not have a coach? I mean, the greatest athletes just watch the thing with Jordan. On yeah, ESPN we're watching was, it right now. Yeah. yeah, It's awesome. Michael Jordan, best basketball player on the planet. Does Michael Jordan have a coach? Of yeah, course, because the coach is going to see things that Michael doesn't. He's just, Michael's in the game. Michael's the one with the ball. Michael yeah. can't stand, you know, 40 feet back and observe what's going on right. and provide that feedback. Oh, yeah. Until Jackson Gro- can. Yeah, Tim Grover's helping him with his body. He's like, I need to change my body from baseball back into basketball. I got to gotta get, get with my guys. Yeah. And I love the best thing he said about coaching in general was, I will not play for anybody other than Phil Jackson. Yeah. Right, right. Well, Todd Palmer, again, you're the founder of Extraordinary Advisors. So the website right now, extraordinaryadvisors.com. You're a podcast host. You're an author. All of that is available on your website right now. Uh, Todd, any, uh, if there were one thing that someone you'd say, man, I really like this Todd Palmer guy. I want more. Where would be, the, what would be the best more for them to pursue? Uh, you know, the best more is to just like I just like I did with Cynic, with Vern, with with Tony from Zappos. Reach out to me, book a call with me. It's free. I'm not going to put you into some kind of lead generation system. Uh, I I need one. I need to I need to build one. Uh, not my unique ability. I'm the vision guy, <laughs> not the execution guy. But let's have a conversation. It's it's tough times. I've done I've done a I literally speak from Brazil to South America around the globe. I'm happy to talk to you. Re, don't hold back because you, you, it's, you think it's an unapproachable situation. Give you 30 minutes free. All I ask is that, you, 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 especially if you're a military veteran, please tell me because I want to thank you for your service. Number two is if you heard, you heard me on Josh's show, I, I want to give Josh the love back and, and thank you for having me on his show. So please let me know where you heard about me and let's have a call and let me see how I can be of service and help to you. All right, Todd Palmer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, 
please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.